This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Dan, absolute pleasure to to have you join me today uh, to give you a little bit of a taste of your Chelsea. Sounds very kind of pitch announcer. Welcome to your Chelsea. But <laughs> that's kind of really what we're talking about. Um, so the first question really, Dan, is how did you become a Chelsea fan? Um, like a lot of people, it's from the family. Um, how it all started, my granddad um, back in the early 1920s was an athlete and he um, used to run around the own running track at Stamford Bridge and it was on a match day. He won a a trophy because he won the race. We still got now, and he stayed on to watch a game, purely by chance. And that's where it really kind of became an addiction for him. And then my dad started going early nineteen fifties, um, and then I started going. Well, three of us used to go when I was very young, the late seventies. And when my grandpa passed um, early nineteen eighty, I took over the mantle, and been ever since. Three generations and nearly a hundred years in the family. I mean that that's quite remarkable. You know, if you think about that, because the club's only been going for what now 115 years. So your family yeah. have basically been supporting Chelsea pretty much from the start. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, 1922, I think it was. Do you, remember, uh, do you remember the game that your, your granddad first went to? Uh, I think he beat Spurs. So <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> no, I can't remember the game, but because um, I remember, you know, when I was my dad and my granddad talking about these players when I was really young and you know they're just people just random names but one of my favorite photos I've got is um myself in a uh, push chair with my dad and my granddad outside Stanford Bridge it's on my screen phone it's amazing there's three generations outside what was the old shed it's an incredible photo my dad looking like Michael Caine it was really really cool fantastic now um I was just going to say, actually, you know that that is a remarkable thing. Was there was there, an, was there a huge amount of pressure on you to be a Chelsea fan, or was it just natural, just slipped into it? I think it's just natural. I mean, growing up, growing up in North London, um, very much sort of the Tottenham and Arsenal hotbed, and you know, going to school, 
you know, Liverpool were the best team at the time and everyone was a Liverpool fan. The odd West Ham fan, I was a Chelsea fan. I'm always in Division 2. And, the, you know, my, my biggest issue was, the remember the Panini sticker, sticker albums? Yeah. You never get a little badge in the team. We never actually got proper player profiles. So we got promoted and we got the Panini album. I went up to the... Um, it was in Goswell Road. I went up there and spent my pocket money buying the entire um, players. So I just had that on my wardrobe. But I think it just was a natural thing because my dad started taking me and it just became like our Saturday thing. You know, we used to <clears throat> drive up, have sandwiches in the car, walk past the old Unigate dairy. You know, the smell of sour milk is so evocative now. And then we turn the corner, we go into um, Martin's news agent, which is now Richard Sounds. I'd have my like, buy a couple of sweets. We walk the game. We used to do guest attendance at the time, try to get it right. And then it was just, it was just a natural thing. They're walking back to the car in time for sports support, hearing the music. It was just a really kind of, you know, it was just a natural thing. It was you know, my dad and I, our Saturday thing, pretty much from, I guess, 10 years old. Yeah, so what we're talking what, kind of late 70s, early 80s? Uh, 80, 82 is oh. when I first, yeah. So my grandpa died eight, um, New Year's Eve, 81, I think it was. And then I kind of carried on from that point onwards and been going pretty much ever since. So what was the first game then that you remember? Oh, the first game I clearly remember was um, Liverpool in the FA Cup. We won 2-0. Um, and that was that great, phenomenal Liverpool team that were dominating um you know, domestic football at the time and European football. Um, just Peter, I remember Peter Rose Brown, I think it was the second goal, running clean through and putting it past Ray Clements. It was just, just the most incredible game and the atmosphere was just amazing because I've never seen Stanford Bridge that full. It was just incredible. You know, and close my eyes now and just imagine the goals and just the absolute sheer delight of everything. It was really quite, <clears throat> excuse me, quite an amazing game. And unfortunately, you know, three weeks later, we got beat by Spurs. Well, we did, and uh, you know, hopes were were being raised. And I mean, you're right; it was a it was a remarkable uh, achievement at the end of the day because it was we were in the second division. I mean, the match yeah. itself was on the 13th of February 1982, and it was the FA Cup fifth round, so uh, it was a, a place in the quarterfinals. We're up for grabs, and you're right. I mean, it was a remarkable Liverpool team. I mean, they were the, they were the European champions, the current European champions, the cup, uh, the uh, the the league champions. Um, yeah, you know they they were also. I think they won. They went on to win the double again that year. Uh, you know, both the league title and the league cup. League cup. But they just give you an idea of the team. It was Grobelart, Neil, Lawrence, and Kennedy, Whelan, Hanson, Dalglish, Lee, Rush, McDermott, Sunus. I mean, that's pretty much one of the greatest Liverpool teams of all time, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't. You know, they weren't playing the kids or anything else. But it was just a really strong team. And that, I mean, that team. You, know, you watch all the, the history, the documentaries about them. That was an amazing team. And Dalglish, Rush, Sunis, what they were, they were the you know, a phenomenal team. They, they was it dominated dominated domestic football. And for us to beat them, that was that was a huge shock. I mean, it, they were at home. We were a really really good team that day. I mean, you look at our team like for like. I mean, you know, comparing Steve Francis to Bruce Grobelar or you know Colin Pates to Graham Sunis, it was just it was, you know as I say, it's a real magic of the FA Cup that day. I think I think one of the famous journalists at the time, whose name has uh, escaped me at the moment, basically said that Chelsea had only one hope, and that was no hope at all. Yeah, <laughs> which I think yeah. kind of really sums it up. I mean, you know, you were right about the crowd. I mean, we had forty-one thousand four hundred and twelve in there, and I think up till that point, we were getting gates of about twenty thousand, so everybody turned up for that one. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I, I was was really happy. I, mean, I was eighty-two, so I was ten. Yeah. 
I was 10 at the time. It was just, it was brilliant because everyone, you know, there's nowhere near as much football you know, in our faces at the time. Everyone still knew that Liverpool were a great side. Mm. And from, you know, getting to school on the Monday with all the Liverpool supporters, it was, it was really enjoyable. So do you, do you remember who played? Do you remember the team at all? Um, I remember some of the players. I mean, looking now, I mean, I don't, I remember Steve Francis. I remember he made his debut at Southampton as a 17-year-old, so I remember him. Um, not so much the, the defenders. I mean, vaguely remember Chris Hutchins. This is a really weird random memory because I remember first home game of every season, he always looked like he looked like a lobster because he obviously been away and had a massive suntan. So I remember his like bright red legs. And obviously Mickey Dry, I remember. Um, Pates, Rose Brown a little bit. Um, don't remember Kevin Hills. Uh, Clive Walker, obviously, will come to later. But he was one of my first heroes for the club and seeing him play was absolutely fantastic. He did it a couple of years previously. Cause I think, was it seventy eight? We beat them in the FA Cup as well. We did, and I mean that's kind yeah. of one of the first match. That was four two, of course, and that was one of the first yeah. matches I remember actually. Although I wasn't, you know, I didn't end up going to Stamford Bridge until much later in the eighties. But uh, no. I'd kind of found Chelsea in a very different way to you because I didn't have a, a family who were Chelsea fans or a family that would take me to the football. Uh, so I, I kind of found them through a more circuitous route, but I remember watching that on the TV and just going, Clive Walker, my God. I mean, that, that first goal he scored. Uh, so just fantastic. But um, we digress. Um, yeah. So do, do you remember much about the atmosphere of the day at all? Because there was a bit of ag as well, I remember. Yeah, I think I was pretty too young to... You, um, you weren't leading the mob then? Yeah, I, mean, I remember, the, I remember like, you know, like, I think the West Ham game, I think, over Easter, when I, when I definitely saw the whole... The whole shed sort of sway and stuff going on. The policemen running down the old track to get to the shed. So I do remember it. I don't probably know fully where it was going. I was probably too young to understand. And my dad kind of brushed it off. He didn't want to, kind of, you know, cause any, you know, bring any attention to it. So I just remember just the noise when we scored the second goal. It was just, it was great because you know, twenty thousand versus forty thousand, and quite often we'd be going and it'd be, it'd be fairly subdued atmosphere. So I just just remember. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, you just close your eyes, you just see it all, the crowd. It just, it was brilliant. It was. You know. Where were you sitting? Uh, we were East Middle because my dad and granddad, when they stand open, they, they had seats in there because my granddad was a bit older and he didn't really fancy sitting anywhere else. So we stayed we stayed in the East Stand until probably until early 2000s when it became really, really corporate mm. and people more interested in getting a cup of tea at half time than football. So we moved over to where we are now in the West Stand. So you could have been sitting very near Jonathan Kidd. Do you realise that? I could have thrown my croissants at him. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Now, you, you, yeah. talk, you talked about Clive Walker and some of the other players a minute ago. Um, so yeah. who, who were your favourite players growing up? Um, Clive Walker's my first hero. I mean, I absolutely loved him. He was just you know exciting forward. And he was even when he left, I still loved him. Then he came back with Sunderland in that infamous League Cup night. And he destroyed us. And someone tried to punch him on the pitch, and after that, he was he was dead to me. I thought, nah, I don't like her anymore. You, you know, you've ruined your legacy for me. Just watching him play was really exciting for us. And then, probably my first season I really remember well was obviously the you know, the Bobby Campbell team, Kerry Dixon, still one of my all time greats. Just you know, everyone, everyone loves a big, strong goal scorer, and he was really, really good. And you had Pat Nevin, who was just on his day, was an absolute joy to watch, and Paul Paul Canaville as well. I really liked him. So I remember we went to watch training at Stamford Bridge. We wait for the players to come out, and I went. He, he comes out of training, this big black leather jacket, roll neck, looking really cool. And I was like, "Okay, what's going on, please, Paul?" He went, "What's going on?" I went, "Yes, please." And he signed it. He gave me you know, a can of smile. So you know, that's a really you know, Kerry though for me. 
yeah, I think he'll always be be up there. Yeah, he's uh, well as you know, he's definitely one of one of my heroes, and I'm I'm just so chuffed that uh, you know we've all managed to get to know him quite well in recent times. Um, so, what about some other favourite matches along the lines? I mean, you you know, unlike Jonathan, who's very much. Uh, uh, you know, he remembers the '60s very clearly, and in a sense, yeah. '60s and '70s was his decade. Yours was really the '80s and '90s, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think first game probably really I love was the full members' cup. You know, the Man City five-four because you know I'd never been to Emily before. And I remember on the Saturday, um, I finished my homework. My dad, my dad called me and said, "Oh, come here a second. He gave me an envelope, and I opened it. In the envelope were two tickets for the the game on the Sunday at Wembley, and I was so excited. It was just you know, again, similar to going to Stanford Bridge, you're walking up Wembley Way, the arches, and walking in, you're like, wow, it's amazing, because we've always seen it on the cup final on a Saturday, and actually to be there was amazing, and then to be 5-1 up, it was, you know, I was over the moon. I remember um, City scored to make it 5-2, there's a massive chance of what's it like to score a goal. <laughs> so, you know, really funny. And then you got to 5-3, we're like, oh dear, then 5-4. We ended up winning it. It was just, you know, for our first Wembley visit, it was, it was a, you know, great one of my great all-time memories. You know, we were out of Europe because of the, you know, high school, what have you. It was our first trip to Wembley, albeit not a particularly major cup. It was just a whole experience and sharing it with my dad. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, and then obviously 97 cup final for a lot of people. That was a great memory because obviously the first major trophy for you know, 25 years. And that was great. We barely sat down when you know Di Matteo scored, and that was that was a really again you know a phenomenal memory. Proper proper cup final, beating Middlesbrough. You know the pomp of that team, which was just incredible. Excellent. I mean, you blessed in the last. Sorry, go on. You, you were going to say. I just get well, you blessed recently with so many amazing games in the last sort of really since '97. You know. We, we could do a 24 hour podcast about all our great games. Well, maybe we should then, um, you know, see, we could do a, yeah. break the Guinness, uh, well, Guinness Book of Records for the longest podcast, continuous podcast ever. You know, yeah. I suspect it'd probably take longer than 24 hours. But you yeah. know what? I reckon we could probably do it. Um, just yeah. go, go back to the full members' cup side. Of course, we we talked about that yeah. a lot in the in the last podcast, and we you know I included a bit of of the interview with Colin Pates and uh, and Johnny Bumpstead, but. Um, we had a decent t- a team then. That would have probably been the first kind of decent Chelsea side, you know, of your time of yeah. going to Chelsea because you missed out on the glory days of the Kings of the Kings Road side, didn't you? Yeah. Because that, that team, well, that they put together to win the league in 84 was a really, you know, very good team. We, you know, we had some great players. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a good team. You know, I mean, who, who's, who's, who's Eddie, Eddie in goal, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the team now. Calling the centre half, wasn't he? Was he playing up front? Well, he, he used to he used to vary, didn't he? All over the yeah. place. Doug Rugby, yeah. of course. Spackers. Yeah. yeah. You know, good um, midfield. Pasta as well. He played. Yeah. yeah. Speedy. Kevin Matt. Dick, yeah. Dixon Speedy was a great partnership. I mean, you know, Speedy was a little shit, but he was a really good player, wasn't he? He's one of those players you love to hate. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, you loved, loved him if he was yeah, on your side. You know, definitely. yeah, Scottish Diego Costa, but you know, <laughs> something like that. Brilliant yeah. stuff. Now, um, you, you know, you're well known on the fan cast for being one of the, the few of us who actually uh, can be bothered to go away. Bless you. Um, <laughs> so, you know, do you remember your first away game? Yeah, it was. Um, oh God, uh, Everton away. We won one nil. Had red and white kit on. Um, I was twelve or thirteen, and I, one of my best friends at school was an Everton fan. And he and his family used to go up every single game home and away to Everton. 
and got a ticket. He took me in his car. We parked in Stanley Park. I remember that, you know, the, the, you know, the kids say, can I cast your car for a pound, mate? Yeah. And he goes, I'm scouse. They go, I won't make a sec. Your, your car's fine. And then <clears throat> we went in the ground. There was, I was quite scared because I was on my own. I was 12 or 13, all these huge, great people around the upper tier, the away end, and getting in there and then all the noise and just it was incredible. And then it was quite a dull match from memory. And then um, Steve Clark scored at the Gladys Street end, which is the opposite from where we were. And it was, you know, cue absolute madness. And then afterwards, I was had to go back to Stanley Park to meet my friends um, back at the car. And I was like absolutely terrified because we were kept in the pen before they let us out. And then I was right near the gates and suddenly you heard gates being smashed and kicked and the Everton fans were trying to get in. And the police came around and stopped them. And I was walking out and I was completely lost. I had to ask the policeman how to get back to Stanley Park. And it wasn't I got to the third policeman, they actually told me. One said, fuck off. You know, I was like, oh, thanks, mate, you know. Finally found a copy, he goes, yeah, go straight down here, turn left. And then, you know, sitting back in the car for four and a half hours after beating Everton one day, it was quite a silent journey on the way back. It was a re- you know, really, really enjoyable, enjoyable match. And that's that's really when I got the real bus there for getting to away matches. And then after that, got myself a part-time job in Tesco's so I could find my um, away trips. Um, I was at the Sheffield Wednesday 3-3 when Graham Stewart scored that one goal um, when he ran from the halfway line. Um, I think one season I did like 11 aways. No, I couldn't get any further north than Sheffield, but I did Sheffield, Forest. I think I went to Notts County as well at some point. Southampton at the Dell in a, for the, um, the full members' cup. So I did some random aways. Chidge. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> but where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, I mean, what what was the difference, uh, you know, between going away then to going away now? Um, I think the way the way fans has always been, I think I guess the hardcore 
and it's going to get controversial. I think the way fans are a different breed, they're probably what you call proper Chels. Not they're not proper Chels. It's just atmosphere, noise, um, quite intimidating as well. You know, there's quite a lot of you know angry men there as well. So it's quite it's quite scary as a 15 year old boy. It's quite scary. And you still had the you know the, the unfortunate aspect of the fan base who were you know quite right right wing and racist. And that was to me that was quite like you know on the train hearing the stuff. You're like, yeah, this is this is like oh, don't like this. It was, it was just really enjoyable. I just kept myself to myself, got kept my head down as they say. I just went to the game, got the burger. I was normally, you know, in the ground, literally as soon as I can get in. I want to try and sort of <clears throat> just watch the training and soak up the atmosphere. Um, I think it's more, it's hard. I don't think it's changed that much. I just think more of it's available because people put everything on social media now so you, can, you, know, you get a better feel for the atmosphere, think- the, the selfies and the... Uh, yeah, I was going to say. I think. If, well, I mean, obviously, the, the 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 tech has changed a bit. But I mean, if yeah. if, if I was to say there's a, a major difference, it would be that it's 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 less intimidating now. I mean, there was always yeah, totally. there was there was an edge. Always was an edge. Yeah. You you always had you had to have your jungle smarts about you when you went, went away yeah. in those days. Um, but I think I think the demographics changed hugely. I think because it's football's got a lot more sanitized. A much yeah. wider demographic go away than perhaps when yeah. back in those days. You know, as you as you said, in those days it was the hardcore fans. Of course, football was a much more working class game then. Still, yeah, you know, it hadn't really also, been gentrified by then. Yeah, and there's a lot a lot more um, females going now as well. I mean, I yeah. barely saw uh, you know, apart from Kath, I barely saw anybody back in those days. Yeah, and I'm all for that. Um, just yeah. to quickly reflect on this Everton game, just for people who don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it was on Saturday, 11th of November. It was a three o'clock kickoff, Dan, 1989. Uh, yeah. I'll give you the team. See, well, give me, give you the teams. Well, actually, do you remember, do you remember the team? Can you remember any of the team? Um, Steve. Oh God, no! It's Kerry, Steve Clark. Yeah. You know, I'm best in goal. Yeah. Um, Fermin Dorigo. Yeah. Uh, oh God. Ellen Johnson. Nope. No. Steve Clark. Was it Steve Clark, Tony Dorigo? Uh, nah, it's got, not, not bad, though, mate, considering this yeah. is what? Uh, 31 years ago. Years ago 31 years ago. Right. Dave yeah. Besson in goal. Steve Clark, Tony Dorigo, Graham Roberts. Yeah, Robbo. Yeah. David Lee. Uh, yeah. Rodders was playing. Blimey. Ken Moncow. Alan Dickens. Blimey. That's a name oh, from the past. Blimey. Yeah. Peter Nicholas. Good player, Peter yeah. Nicholas. Kerry Dixon, number nine. Kevin Wilson. Wonderful. Oh, Tash. Yeah. And uh, Mickey Hazard. And uh, the subs were John Bumstead and Kevin McAllister. Of course, this is Bobby Campbell's side. Now, this, of course, is the side that absolutely romped to the second division title the season before with, I think, was a record total of points at the time. And they were a phenomenally good side. Of course, they should never... 96 have, points. Yeah, yeah. They, they should never have been relegated in the first place because they went out on a, to a playoff uh, to Middlesbrough famously, which we might talk about in a minute. But um, yeah. this I completely forgot. This is amazing. When when Chelsea beat Everton, in fact, actually, even when they played them, they were top of the first division, right? They'd played 13 games by that stage in the season. Uh, they'd won three, drawn four, lost nil. They were unbeaten, uh, and they were top. Arsenal was second, Liverpool were third, uh, Norwich City fourth, Villa fifth, Everton sixth. But Chelsea were top of the first division. I had completely forgotten that. Yeah, so so that's completely gone from my memory. 
which kind of shows you what a good side that that kind of late 80s Bobby Campbell side was. Um, yeah. I mean, they actually ended up being fifth, uh, I think, in the league that year. They finished fifth, which, of course, would have taken them into Europe had we not been banned still under Heisel. And I think that would have been, I think we finished fifth in 85. I think yeah. we ha- we had two or three times in that those five years under the ban where we would have probably gotten to Europe. People forget that. This is when we were supposed to be shit, but it's not true. <laughs> yeah. um, the other notable thing about this match, Dan, and you probably might, might remember this, there was a certain former Chelsea player who was playing for Everton. Ah. Pat, we Pat was playing for, Never- yeah, uh, for Everton. Yeah. He was playing for Everton, yeah. and this 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 makes me laugh. There was some other uh, bloke who we really don't like who was playing for Everton, Martin Keown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so how about Mon- that? Mon- Monkeyhead, yeah, absolutely. So there you go. Um, now, I mean, okay, if we can pin it down to one one player of the whole time that you've been watching Chelsea, or who whoever it was growing up, or we kind of covered that. But if it was one player, who is your absolutely ultimate Chelsea hero? Oh gosh, that's that's such a tough question. Um, I don't know. It's just so hard. I mean, so many players have given me so many memories. I mean, JT for pure legendary status. Frank for the goals. I'll go for Frank Lampard. I think. I just, I just think, just everything about him, the goals. You know the, the quality of the person, everything about it. I think Frank Lampard just, you know, just real. Just it's a really tough call, though. I mean, got to think about Drogba. I mean, Isaac Johnson. I think I loved him as well. I thought he was a really classy player. So that's a really, really tough question. I'm going to go for Frank, just based on hopefully what he's going to achieve as a manager and what he, what phenomenal player he was for us. Excellent. Season for midfield virtually every year. Excellent. And um, well. I, I hate to bring this to you, but we, we need to talk about some of your worst Chelsea moments as well. Yeah, um, by me. Uh, I mean, what the, I mean, the worst time I wasn't actually the game, but I remember it really well. Was Middlesbrough in the playoffs when we lost two um, two one? We were at my dad's best friend's wedding in Philadelphia at the time, so he missed the game, and we desperately tried from the hotel to call club call um, to find out the result. We didn't have internet, anything like that. And we kept trying, couldn't get through. Went down to payphone, tried to call club call, couldn't get through. So in the, in the end, my dad faxed his secretary to find out what the score was. And about, you know, an hour, two hours, three hours. And finally, three hours later, we got a, a fax back saying, well done, you won 1-0. And we're like, well, you know, we're relegated. So that, that was, you know, from from a, watching from a distance, that's probably one of the worst moments. I mean, then you've got to think, um, more recently, the Barcelona game, uh, under Vrabo when we were, you know, robbed of, you know, another Champions League final place. And that last minute goal from Iniesta was like literally a knife to the heart. And even after that, we still had the, you know, the, the potential penalties, which this horrendous wanker never gave us. It was, um, you know, being fortunate, I haven't seen too many memories. I mean, <clears throat> the other one, I guess, probably really sticks out was, uh, um, <clears throat> so excuse me, the cup final in 94, when we lost 4-0 to Man United, because again, that was my first cup final. Um, you know, and then Peacock kicked the bar in the first half. I remember the weather was abysmally bad, raining non-stop. Could have gone in 1-0 up. And we we done a double over United that season as well, because we beat them 1-0 in both games, because Peacock had scored at Old Trafford and the Stanford Bridge. So we, you know, felt we had a chance. And then just capitulated the second half when, you know, Ellery onto, you know, two penalties, it was 3-0, then it was 4-0, and then just walking away. 
really disconsolate at full time after being beaten, you know, 4-0. I remember um, coming home, I had my Chelsea shirt on and I went to the garage and bought some um, black tape and put it around my um, <laughs> the shirt before I went out. So that, that was a pretty horrendous game. Um, I think 5-1 to Spurs, again, the semi-finals under Ranieri. That was a really, really horrible thing because, you know, when you've got a lot of Spurs mates and you've really, you know, cock of the north up until most times because you always beat them. To get beaten 5-1 was pretty, pretty horrendous. And I think I think um, Sheringham did Zenden very early in the game, I think, at 0-0. He went in really nasty and Zenden had this huge cut on his thigh and had to come off. He did. No, he did. He did. I, yeah. re- I remember that a lot. I mean, I I'd, I didn't make the away leg, but I'd been at the uh, the home leg. I remember uh, I remember Les Ferdinand scored, didn't he, to make it two one. Yeah. And, and uh, um, but that's yeah. Second... I think even Iverson scored, and I think four, it was five nil. Forsell got a goal right at the end. Yeah, and I mean, a, a Tarico did Graham Lasso, didn't he? And Soxie got sent off or something. Uh, I think so. I don't remember that one. I know it was, it was very. Spiky match. It was, it was, and we just got. They, I think they went on to lose to Blackburn, didn't they? Yeah, but we got humped, and it was just like really unexpected. It was a very bizarre match. Yeah. Um, the other one was uh, the Moscow. It's really interesting, isn't it? You know, because you know, I, I I missed the Moscow final completely, and it didn't really register yeah. how awful that was. Uh, the '94 Cup final, I really didn't expect us to win, so I, I, I it was disappointing and frustrating, but I kind of just didn't really expect us to win yeah. i think when when we when we when we, if we were to do this show in 20 years time i would be saying that arsenal final uh under conte will probably oh, yeah, go yeah, down yeah. as one of my most disappointing matches because the double was at stake we were so favorites to win that i i don't think i've, I've rarely felt that down after after leaving a match it was yeah, grim. I think that was because I think Moses got sent off and then we equalised, yeah. didn't we? Because yeah. They went straight down the other end and scored. It was just, yeah, it was, um, yeah. I mean, Mo- Moscow kind of almost blocked out because I think it was one of those penalties and it was just luck of the draw. You know, everyone blames JT, but it was Anelka who missed the, the actual penalty, didn't he? That, you know, gave him the trophy. He did. They were lucky that night. Um, then, I, then you... What about best moments, Dan? I mean, Aside from the obvious Munich, which was, you know, absolutely for probably most Chelsea fans, probably one of the greatest moments of our, our lives. That yeah, was, I, th- that was... I think we're going to have to ban that from it when I do this. Yeah. Okay. What's your best moment other than Munich? Because everybody's going to say, I would say Munich, but, you know. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, the full members cups I mentioned earlier, just, just for the memories and being with my dad at Wembley for the first time, that was really enjoyable. Um, the Napoli game to the Champions League was pretty special. The atmosphere that night was just incredible. When Ivanovic scored, I mean, the roof came off the ground. That was really, really an amazing night to be at Stamford Bridge. Um, the 4-2 Barcelona game as well under Mourinho, that was also... I mean, those nights are just fantastic. You go back even further, like the, the Bruges game when Furlong scored to make it 2-0. We've gone through so many great European nights. Um, I mean, also beating Arsenal 6-0 in Wenger's thousandth game, you know, and you know, Arsene Wenger, a thousand more games. That was just brilliant. Just seeing him on the on the bench looking completely and utterly just disconsolate. Broken. Yeah. I mean Wayne Bridge, Arsenal away in the you know, knocked them out of the Euros. That was pretty impressive. Um but also I think I think with the year they beat us five one, we beat Spurs back to back four nil. We yes. beat them in the F four nil at White Hot Lane. We and did. Then 
in, in the midweek in the league match. I used to have a T-shirt which I bought at the stall uh, with four by four by four on it, which is <laughs> kind of like a whole eulogy to uh, absolutely trouncing Spurs four 0 Of course, Jimmy got the perfect hat trick in one of those, didn't he? Yeah, left foot, right foot header. Yeah, and then um, I think the Wimbledon semi final with the Zola goal was also really good because that was the twisted blood semi. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, and we beat some amazing games. I mean, ninety-seven cup finals we mentioned already. The, the tail end of Carlo's first season, we were beating teams sort of six, seven, eight nil. That was, I mean, Stoke. I, I, I wasn't the Stoke game. I think it was dead. My, my wife was running the London Marathon that day, so I obviously missed the game. And we were watching at various points of the, the marathon, and you know, I was like, my phone, okay, five nil, six nil, seven nil. So that was that was that was great. And then the eight nil against Wigan to win the league, which is brilliant. That was, a, that was a real kind of fanfare day because I was desperate to get the 100 goals because I think we, we were six, I think getting the match was six away from 100 and we did it. Um, just beat some amazing, amazing matches. I mean, there's so many. I mean, I could do a list of 150, 200 matches. <laughs> you could indeed. Um, all, all the, I mean, Ivanovic's winner in Amsterdam in the last minute, that was pretty special when he got that, that leaping header because that was right because we were that end of the ground and it was just that, that head. It was like the whole ground goes like, really silent for a second and it just drops in and we won 2-1 I mean, I mean going back to the Munich just very briefly I remember when Drogba stepped up but back, I swear just in my, my memory the whole ground was silent you could like hear a pin drop and then suddenly you saw him run up you saw Neuer go to his left the ball go in and then suddenly just like it was, it was an eerie second of silence in that stadium and that was just yeah incredible this would be blessed. I mean, I, I never thought growing up, and you know, you know, when you're going out to FA Cup to Oxford in the third round at home, we'd ever get anywhere near what we've achieved. So it's been, it's been a real twenty year tour since '97. It's been twenty five trophies and counting. So it's been absolutely incredible. And I'm, I'm, I'm you know, it's just a shame my dad missed most of because he passed in 2006. But just, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster. I'm so glad they, but chose Chelsea yeah well your dad went out with a bang because he saw us win back-to-back Premier League titles and I suspect he never thought he'd see that he did and his last game he saw was Arsenal losing I remember he was in hospital we went to see what went to watch the Champions League game when Arsenal lost to Barcelona but not only did was his last game us lifting the trophy the last game he actually watched was Arsenal getting beat the Champions League final which we both thoroughly enjoyed I bet you did we're going to wrap this up, Dan, but uh, we can't we can't do a, a a chat with us lot about about why we love Chelsea and how we found it without talking about some of our favourite songs. So, what are some of your favourite songs? Um, well, a standalone song when we played Luton in the FA Cup semi final when Kerry was playing for Luton and the whole crowd sounded and we won Kerry Dixon. That was just an incredible moment. I think Kerry spoke about how how humbled he was by that moment. That was just really incredible. Yeah, in unison, I think we've gone two, two new like, There's about ten minutes to go, I think, and the whole crowd. Oh, Kerry Dixon, and that was that was a great moment for me because he was he was my hero, and I was like, yeah, I really love that. Um, I mean, got to think now. I mean, the, the John Terry double song, I really enjoy because it has a dig at Spurs. Um, and the, the best one because it's true, we won it all. That kind of sums it up because we won it all, and I've seen it all. So I think it's just like really, you know, quite quite an apt song for, for Chelsea fans over the last sort of twenty five years. 
Well, there you go. I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up. Dan, uh, it's been a real pleasure having a little kind of journey back through your time supporting Chelsea. I'm sure, sure the listeners will enjoy it as much as me. And, and also, just on this point, to say how much I enjoy having you on the show. And you've been a real breath of fresh air since you started doing it with me. Yeah, no, for me, it's been incredible because literally, you know, before I met all you guys, fan cast, I didn't really have many Chelsea supporters. And after my dad died, I was going on my own and I bumped into you. And, you know, I'm really grateful for you know, the opportunity you've given me to meet some like-minded Chelsea fans. I'm, you know, I love, love being on it and I love all your boys. So thank you very much. My pleasure, mate. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.